say, Colin? <laughs> you know, for me, you're in the future. Like, uh, like a man on the moon or in a tin pan. Welcome to the Eat Radio Podcast. And here's your host, Colin Pope from Eat Magazine. And uh, thanks for joining us, Paul. And uh, brilliant to catch that seal swimming beside us here down on the dock. <laughs> it was. It was a beautiful moment. And, and I guess you could actually hear it in the background, couldn't you? Yeah, I could hear him making some little snorting noises over there. Um, he is a regular visitor down here. Uh, we're at Elizabeth Street here. And we're right nearby to some floating fish punts. So they sell cooked fish and chips, also fresh seafood. And some of the workers there do tend to maybe drop the occasional fish head over the back of the punt. And the seal knows that. So he'll come and hang around for a couple of days at a time. Then he'll disappear. But yeah, it's a beautiful calm day today. So it was kind of easy to hear him over there enjoying life. Right. Well, you can tell that I was, I'm so focused on recording and the seagulls and everything else is happening. I couldn't even notice the seal. I've been looking for a seal for the last seven days, I guess. And here's one beside me the day that I'm leaving. So, look, uh, thanks for that. And I just wanted to ask you, um, I guess, about editing, uh, understanding that really you are still doing a lot on your phone as, as well as your Nikon. But with your phone, what uh, sort of apps are, are you doing much editing? And if so, what apps are you using? Look, I do still edit on the phone when I need to, and that might be if I'm out and about and I've you know, just caught an amazing sunset and I really want to get that picture out there in the moment. I'll usually Wi-Fi that from my Nikon to my phone, and from there I'll play around with it. So in terms of mobile editing apps, there are thousands of them out there, and I'm sure there are better ones than I use, but I gravitate towards one called uh, Adobe Photoshop Express which, don't believe the name, it has nothing to do with Photoshop. It looks nothing like it, but it is pretty powerful. It is very good for doing some adjustments, but it also has noise reduction, which is the main reason I use it. So a lot of mobile phone pictures in particular can be a bit grainy and noisy, so a little bit of softening to try and hide that really helps, and that app does it extremely well. The other one I use is uh, Snapseed, which is actually made by Google now. They bought that uh, a year or so ago, I think. And that's a fantastic mobile editing app. It lets you um, edit selectively, I guess you could say. So you can pick out colours or regions of the picture and only uh, work on those, which is something I love. So whatever adjustments you make doesn't change the whole picture, just the area that you want, which is not that common in mobile editing apps. Right, okay. I, I must admit, when you say the words Adobe and then you put them beside the word like Photoshop, the, the hairs on the back of my neck... <laughs> Stand up. Um, I don't use Photoshop for a lot of reasons. I feel like it's, you know, starting a satellite in order to cross the road on my bicycle yeah. often. Um, Look, so and, that's and good I agree to... with that too. Like, I don't own Photoshop. I ha wouldn't have a clue what to do with it. On my MacBook, I do use Lightroom. I am a complete noob at using that. Yeah. I know how to make the, the colours a bit nicer and bring out the shadows and straighten the horizon. In terms of any sort of editing, of adding things, removing things, I have no idea. Um, but I like to play around with it. But I don't think it's that vitally important for, you know, I'm trying to share a moment and a place and a feeling. I don't think Photoshop is the way that I'm going to bring that out. 
Brilliant. Look, on the Lightroom thing, I use Lightroom. I'm a big fan, but I don't, okay. don't get to use it very often um, because I'm about three years behind in editing, <laughs> editing any photographs, as, as many people are, I imagine. But uh, I find with Lightroom there's a little curve down the bottom. Have you seen that curve? Yes. Yep. Now, I use that curve more than anything else, and I just okay. tweak the curve a little bit at the top or bring it down, pull it back like a, an elastic band. Mm -hmm. It does all kinds of crazy things, but sometimes you can just do that one thing on the curve on that band on Lightroom, mm -hmm. and it's absolutely fantastic. So if you haven't tried that... I will have a look, I'd, yes. I'd like you to try that, and I'd, I'd like to be able to see some results. Yeah, look, I'll, I'll give that a go and see what I can get. Um, I guess like, I do try and compose a picture pretty much how I want it at the time of taking it, and that's what I try and do. And that's mainly for a time issue. A lot of what I'm doing, I don't have a lot of time to be taking you know, photos like this. So, yeah, anything like that I can tweak around quickly and get the look that I want. Yeah, I'll try it. Right, and so when you're, when you're out travelling like the trips that you've been doing recently, uh, what, sort of, um, what sort of gear are you carrying? You're carrying your, you're carrying your Nikon, you're carrying your iPhone, you've got your laptop, but we know you don't always have Wi-Fi, so how do you survive in the bush? Are you taking anything else with you? I don't really take much with me at all. Um, if I'm going out for a walk to a waterfall, I will only have my Nikon, one lens and a tripod and my phone in my pocket. I don't take anything else with me, really. Um, but when I'm away for a few days, I'll obviously pack the laptop so I can do some editing, but I really don't have much camera equipment. Like, I, I have the Nikon D750, and I have one lens, a 24 to 120. That's all I have for it. I don't have any other filters. Um, I have a tripod for it. But, yeah, I don't have anything else accessory-wise to attach to it because I kind of feel, at the moment, I don't need to. Um, but you never know. That's fantastic. So I'm just giving the microphone here while our seal comes back. I'm going to jump out there. So um, we'll just take a two-minute break. Can I pick that up with me? Yeah. <laughs> He's teasing you. looking pretty dark at the moment, you can't see in there. He gets locally known as Sammy. Sammy, Sammy the seal, but no one really knows whether it's actually Sammy each time. But whether it's Yeah. So just, we're still recording, so I'm going to keep a bit of this. So here we are here. We're standing on the edge because Sammy the seal is teasing us. He's come and splashed. I can see the water's very dark, so we don't know where he is, but he's come and splashed right up beside us, basically. We didn't quite get wet because of the barrier, <laughs> but uh, I guess he's, he's saying a goodbye or good afternoon. I think he's just teasing you because he heard you say that you hadn't seen one yet in Tassie, and we're, he's trying to make up for all his little seal friends that were hiding from you. Yeah, obviously. So, so that was fantastic. I'm sure when we sit down, he's going <laughs> to put his head back up. And if I, if I still smoke cigarettes, this would be when I would light a cigarette and Sammy would suddenly appear. Um, but, okay. All right. I guess, I guess we'll just have to wait till he decides he wants to come back again. So thank you for joining us, Sammy the Seal, and uh, 
and he's he's gone back out again so who knows he might come back that's fine we'll just jump over the fence again and uh and we're back into it yeah i'm, I'm sure he was watching us and he knows that we've now sat back down again so he'll make uh, another appearance yeah no doubt of that <laughs> and so i i guess a lot of people would be um, they might be surprised to learn that in actual fact you're not carrying around huge amounts of equipment, you're doing a lot of your phone, you're using apps, and uh, we're going to give you a web address and other details at the end of this, but um, I don't want to miss out on that opportunity. So we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit to that now. Um, we're going to talk about the spelling of, the, of your Instagram handle, mm-hmm. and we're going to be talking about Twitter, and I guess I must admit I haven't uh, looked at your stuff mate, much on Facebook. It's not... Uh, medium for me that I really engage in. I'm much more an Instagram kind of a guy, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, so do you want to just tell us first of all about your Instagram handle and then your Twitter handle and, and then the other handles? Okay, my Instagram and my Twitter are the same handles and that is at love thy walrus, which is a little bit unusual, uh, but you know, people remember it and it's usually the first question they ask me is, you know, what does that mean? And I really wish I had a fascinating story to go with it. But it's really what just came to me one day when I set up my account on Instagram. Because back then, um, I didn't know what Instagram was. I didn't know if I was supposed to use my own name or not. And at the time, I kind of thought that sounded hilarious and no one would know who I was. So I chose that and it stuck. And I have thought about changing it, but I don't think I need to anymore because now it's become a brand, which is not something I planned to happen, but it has. It's evolved like that organically. So I've kept it, and yeah, you can find me at Love Thy Walrus. And on Facebook, I don't use that as much. I do have a, a, a page on there called Photography by Paul D. Fleming, but it, it's not where I'm active. I'm more likely to post an album of images there, but Instagram is the main area. Okay, and you said that you're on Twitter as well. I am, yeah, yes. Okay. Twitter is somewhere I use more for networking and sharing of things that I find. Whereas Instagram, I try and maintain a particular level of quality of what I'm posting, a particular style. Whereas on Twitter, I can, I guess, share more and connect more with people. And I can just be, I guess, a more sort of personal, professional sort of connection with people. And it's not really about exactly what I'm sharing in terms of my own photography or stories. I can just bounce ideas off people. Brilliant. And um, I've got a few questions as well to ask you about Hobart and Tasmanian photography. And uh, before we go to that, in case uh, we run out of time, I just wanted to grab your website address now for our listeners. Yes, my website is uh, lovethywalrus.com. All right, brilliant. And uh, I guess the other thing that I wanted to uh, talk to was... If people are coming to Hobart in particular, first off, and uh, they've got their iPhone or their camera with them, what are the what are the hot spots around Hobart that you really feel is a great place for people to kind of capture some of the spirit, some of those favourite little places that, that you like to you like to be? Look, one of the reasons I love living here in Hobart, um, I've only been here about six years or so. I'm actually from Launceston, which is Tasmania's second city in the northern side of the island, about two hours from here. So I've been discovering Hobart for myself as well while I've been living here, trying to find places that are interesting, that are fascinating, and it really wasn't that hard. So Hobart is a great base to visit for a few days at least, Uh, and, you know, plenty of nice hotels here, all different price ranges, interests. But within about an hour's radius, we have some fascinating natural places. That includes somewhere like uh, Mount Field National Park, where we have Russell Falls, one of the most spectacular waterfalls you're going to find in Australia. 
And it's, it's a beautiful place. It's about an hour's drive and it's a 10 minute walk, easy flat path all the way out there and you'll just be lost in the moment. What people don't realise is that if you keep walking up the stairs beside it, up through the bush for another 10 or 15 minutes, you'll find the much smaller horseshoe falls compared to Russell Falls. But in my mind, it's much more beautiful. It's a beautiful little green grotto of moss-covered rocks and logs and things. Um, and if you want a bit of a change in variety, back here in Hobart, a must-visit is Mount Wellington, which is a, a, just over 1,200 metres tall. And any time of the year, you can go up there. There's a road all the way to the top. The views from there are just spectacular. You get a great view down on the city, but from there you can also see into the Southwest World Heritage Wilderness Area, out to Bruni Island, the Tasman Peninsula, and you can get an idea of exactly where you'd like to go from up there. Brilliant. Well, there's a couple of good tips for me. I must admit, I don't know if you can hear, there's a boat coming in, a little fishing boat coming in in the background. I certainly knew about Mount Wellington, and I have been there, and that's amazingly dramatic, particularly this time of year. Not much snow on there today, but there was quite a bit of snow when I arrived uh, last week. And then also the waterfalls sound absolutely brilliant. Now, we know that uh, Launceston in the north is your hometown, and, and you've got a few tips up there and then I wanted to ask you other parts of Tasmania that are really your favorite place for you to visit and, and photograph? Look, Tasmania is absolutely a photographer's paradise there's no doubt about that and not just because the scene is that dramatic which it is it's spectacular and the light is just amazing here especially in winter where it's quite low light coming across the landscape the glow is so golden and beautiful the fact is that it's not a crowded place so we can go to these amazing waterfalls up the mountain for great views sunsets and sunrises Head to national parks where there are lots of wild animals and you can have the place to yourself. We've got a bit of a joke here that if you go to the beach and there's somebody else on it, we count that as crowded. We just go to the next one and have fun there instead. So the, the island is a landscape um, that's really quite dramatic. It doesn't look very big on a map, but do allow days to look around because it can be very deceptive how long it would take to get anywhere. So to get to the west coast from Hobart, you're looking at about a four to five hour drive. doesn't look very far on the map. It's only about 200 k's. But the thing is, most of Tasmania is mountainous. We don't have lovely straight freeways that will get you from A to B very quickly. We have very scenic, windy roads with lots of stops along the way. Wow, and so wasn't that great? Uh, there we were uh, sitting down and uh, we had the seal splashing around us. I didn't even hear it. And, uh, and so it's been a really tremendous finish to this trip I guess as well uh, so great to get some really good tips from and I just want to mention Paul has also just bought a book out so I'll include that link to his book and his website which is lovethywalrus.com so that's www.lovethywalrus.com and the funny part of that interview is what got cut out in a way. And uh, there's a part where you can't hear me when he first mentions it, where I was jumping up and down and uh, there was some colourful kind of language as uh, as I was just... I was just kind of so freaked out, I guess, in a way that there was the seal beside us. So it was kind of crazy. And um, so, yeah, it was just, yeah, I don't know. 
one of those things. Ironically, now I can't find that bit of the recording, so who knows? So anyway, look, another breaking news that Eat Magazine, uh, the podcast for Eat Magazine, has made it into the Australian Podcast Awards where you can actually vote in the popular vote. Uh, just managed to get that sort of in there today, and so I don't, haven't managed to get any votes in there or uh, tell anyone about it, but I'm telling you. And uh, so I'd really uh, appreciate it if you've been enjoying the show, if you want to go in and vote for us. It's so easy. You can do it on your phone. I'm going to include the link inside this podcast. Uh, but if you can remember this, if you go to the castawayawards.com.au, and when you get in there, you just scroll down um, until uh, you can see. I think you go on there and then there's a voting still open. Uh, you scroll down and you can see the black icon of the Eat Magazine podcast. You just hit the thumbs up. And then all it asks you for is your email and your name and you create a password and that uh, carries that vote through and you can see your vote through and go in and hopefully add on to the other ones <laughs> once I get uh, around to telling people about that. So you're the first to know. And uh, so there we go. And so we look forward to you joining us uh, in a part two and we look forward to you uh, supporting us if you can on the Castaway popular vote for the Australian Podcast Awards, which are at castawayawards.com.au cheers if you're a listener in the u.s you can simply text the word eat mag which is e-a-t-t-m-a-g and if you want that in echo uh, art technology travel m for maggie a for apple g for grapple uh, it's eat mag and you can text that if you're in the u.s now to 1480 four one eight one four one one if you're in australia you simply text the word eat mag to six one four two eight four seven nine seven hundred if you're in the united kingdom in the uk scotland england wales you can text ireland as well you can text eat mag to double four seven nine oh three five six seven seven one eight and if you're in Canada, you can simply text EATMAG to 1587-800-4323. And you can just replay those numbers. I know it sounds like there's a lot of numbers in there, but wherever you are, you can just text EATMAG from those four countries if you're in there, and we'll um, send you some instructions, and you can basically subscribe to our updates that way. So really pleased to finally get that off the ground. And uh, thank you very much for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.